Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. O'Neal, corner three. Royce missed another one. Conley taps the rebound up to Donovan at half court. Poor Royce. Donovan, crossover, step back. Got it. Donovan to the front court. Donovan spider spins again. Ball fakes in at the rim. Lays it up and in. Donovan has 32. He drives here, puts the right-hander up. No. Gets his own rebound, puts it back up and in. Some highlights as the Utah Jazz beat the Sacramento Kings Saturday night, 128-112. Donovan Mitchell... 42 points, and PK again with the second half. He had 12 at the half. The Jazz were down by six, so he came out and hit a couple of quick threes. The Jazz took a lead. It went back and forth, obviously, for a while. But he had a 30-point second half and a 42-point game. It is becoming a familiar script. He's played it other ways, but this is clearly how he's most comfortable doing it. Man, could you imagine if they had a third half, how good he'd be? Oh, freakish. What do you think? 50 point? 50 point? <laughs> Hockey style? Or we third have halves? Three? Yeah, we have to go third period. Because yeah. the period. third half is like the fifth quarter. The what? Well, we also, we every year in college football, we have teams ranked 27th. Why not? <laughs> nice. Others receiving votes. You're not 27th. <laughs> Royce O'Neal continues to struggle shooting the ball. You heard uh, David Locke in the highlights there. Two of six, 0 for two from three. So they played a half dozen games now this month. And he is now one for 21 from three this month. Law of numbers, PK. There must be a hot stretch coming. There must be a five for six looming out there somewhere. He's laboring, though. Looks like he might be injured. Yeah, I'm wondering if he already had his hot streak, though, because he was shooting the ball very well earlier. I don't know. We'll have to find out, and we will find out. Uh, He had a 47% month back in January, and then a 34. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and then a 34 in February, and back to 40.8, so 41% in March. So riding the roller coaster a little bit, but that's where he sits right now. Where did the Jazz sit? Back at it tonight. The Washington Wizards are coming to town. This is a team that beat the Jazz in Washington a little less than a month ago. Jazz gave up uh, over 130 points that night. That was a rough one. Jazz get the Wizards tonight, and Jordan Clarkson is officially doubtful with the ankle. He'd be missing the third straight game. Mike Conley out with hamstring injury management. He's avoiding those back-to-backs, and they're going to play Oklahoma City tomorrow night. So... I guess by missing this one, usually he misses the back half, PK, but by missing this one, he'll have two days off, play a game, and then two days off instead of one day off and then three days off. So I guess they're balancing that out. So who, who do you want to see tonight? I mean, obviously you'll be getting a big dose of me, Aoni. There'll be uh, more time for him to play, but somebody else will probably go into the rotation. Got any favorites? You want to see Ilya Silva or somebody else? Oh, you don't care. Run him out there. Well, and we're take just going to see first. I, no, no, man. I don't know that it's a big deal. I'm not sure I want to see Aoni for three. I think I'd rather. See... 
the ninth man or tenth man and eleventh man, however you want to look at it, is going to determine who's going to win the game. All right, Jazz and Wizards tonight, seven o'clock for the tip, six o'clock for the pregame. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Now Miles Bridges, he'll go in, dunks it on top of Clint Capella. Are you kidding me? Oh no, he didn't. Miles gonna give it to you. Now they got across the timeline here. Chest it into the front court to Bledsoe. The no look to Zion and the flush with two hands. That couldn't have worked out better. George puts the head down momentarily. Crossover down the middle of the lane all the way to the rim. Oh, Paul George, look out. A box office finish as he put it on the head of Isaiah Stork. DeRozan taking it left side. Gets a screen from Derek White. Takes it down toward the baseline. Now step back long two. That shot is good for DeMar DeRozan with five tenths of a second remaining in the game. DeMar DeRozan, the game winner as the Spurs beat the Mavericks, 119-117. Porzingis had a big game, 31-15, and and Doncic had a, big, had a big game and hit a big shot to tie it, but the Spurs get the win, and multiple. Three of the four Western Conference playoff teams playing yesterday got beat. The Mavericks lost. The Nuggets gave up a 31-3 run to the Boston Celtics. The Blazers got beat 107-98 by the Heat. Only the Clippers pulled through. Game was tied at 110 midway through the fourth quarter, and the Clippers pull away and beat the Pistons 131-124. So three of the four playoff teams in the West, hard to know who eight's going to be, but top seven we can kind of figure out right now. And three of those four played, or three of the four played and three lost yesterday. Rough day for the best in the West. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, if you look at it that way, but those teams down there that they just they scream a level of inconsistency. So, is it really that surprising? I guess the Nuggets is the one because they have been while well, they were very inconsistent, yeah. as you say, early on. Uh, they made the trade. They've gone seventeen mm-hmm. and three in their last twenty. Now seventeen and four and twenty-one, and a thirty-one to three run. I mean, there's lots of ways to lose games, and I think the way the Mavericks lost is probably pretty normal. The Blazers, I think, is probably most to your point about screaming inconsistency. But the Nuggets, giving up a 31-3 run in the fourth quarter. Guys, that's a new one right there. Well, the Celtics are, the I think, they're the league's biggest enigma this season. Yeah, the most, the best 500 team out there. They're now two over. I think they've won four out of five. Maybe they've won five out of six. But it's something like that. It's one or the other. And so, yeah, they were just a couple games down. And now they're a couple games up. So... Yes. No, no one, nobody who is that inconsistent is underachieving more. I'm kind of limited in the field there, but you get the point. Yeah, I do get the point because I think their talent would dictate that they would be way better than they are. Well, we've seen them win in a playoff series or two. They haven't made it to the finals, but they've been in the Eastern yeah, finals a couple yeah. of times. And, and now there's, you know, the, the big three, for lack of a better definition, in the East have broken away and can't figure out why them and, and possibly Miami. I guess Miami's got some other issues. But why haven't they gone with the top three? Why are they lingering with the, the rest of the conference? That makes no sense. They ought to be better than those teams. Right. And then I think Exactly, the, yes. Yeah. The game that really uh, probably impacted the Jazz the most, the one that we're most curious about here, Saturday night, the Lakers just blow the nets off the floor after Kyrie Irving gets ejected. Kyrie and uh, Schroeder 
both got a tee and kept yapping and kept talking and both got another tee, so they both got ejected. And after that, the Lakers, and, and Schroeder was playing all right, but having Kyrie out, that really helped because Durant's on a minutes restriction and Harden isn't playing. And the Nets fall apart and the Lakers win big, and so the Lakers are now two games in front of the Blazers. I mean, they could still fall to six PK, but it looks like the Lakers, uh, the what was Jordan's term? My Jordan is, was it a supporting cast? Was that the thing he used? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So LeBron yes. and AD supporting cast is going to hold it together well enough to stay in that four-five series. I don't know that they can get back to three, but they're looming as a potential second-round opponent for the Jazz. Four looks like it'll be either the Clippers or the Nuggets. So the Lakers play the Clippers or Nuggets in the first round, and assuming the Jazz hold the top spot, which looks like they probably will right now. Mathematically, it's not certainly not locked up, but they probably will. So there's the Jazz second-round opponent. The Lakers play either the Clippers or the Nuggets, and the Jazz get the other team in the second round, get the winner of those three in the second round. I'm just for the record. I'm thoroughly confused now. On March 11th, on April 11th, you dictated the playoff. So there it no is. No offense, but I didn't follow any of that. <laughs> uh, James Wiseman, the Warriors rookie, meniscus tear, right knee. He might be out for the rest of the season. He was the number two pick, and the Minnesota Timberwolves may be getting. A new owner, Glenn Taylor, has owned him for a while, but looks like he's selling to uh, billionaire Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, the former Yankee star. Purchase price in the $1.5 billion range. Taylor will continue to hold full control uh, for two years before uh, given relinquishing control in 2023. So, the T-Wolf. Which I don't understand how that works. Yeah, I don't get why it's delayed other than maybe Rodriguez and Laurie need that long to come up with all the money. So he holds it until they all have all the money. Maybe the payments are stretched out. They didn't really go into it, so I'm with you. I don't know for sure, but you've told me it's all about the money long enough for me to assume, well, this is all about the money, too. And, and A-Rod had some quotes when they were going to okay. buy the Mets. I saw a story about this, about how they viewed it not just as a baseball team, but basically this whole holding company and do what the Red Sox do and buy multiple businesses. And All right, well, we'll see how that goes. Well, I think the big story here, obviously, Alex Rodriguez being involved in it, but he has deep Seattle ties. Supersonics coming back. That's certainly a potential story out there. Taylor's saying the team is going to stay put, but, you know, that's the kind of say, thing you say right up until the time you move them. So, it's worth the paper it's uh, written on. But, yeah, in 2024, whatever, going forward, he would have no say. Right. And so, down the line, is that going to happen? Yeah, I mean, the Jazz were put into a trust that would keep the Jazz and the Miller family in perpetuity. Except it didn't. Until it got sold a few years later. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on that. And, you know, the NBA's talked expansion. Seattle has been mentioned with a bunch of other cities. I think Vegas most prominently among the other cities, but a bunch of other cities. Going back to Vancouver, potentially. Yeah, that's been thrown out there. All right, DJ and PK. As we saw in the NFL, you can go to Jacksonville if the money's right. Who saw that coming, right? And then there was an owner with the money, and the NFL went to Jacksonville. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
being somewhere in an atmosphere and environment, knowing where the team knows you, they know your history, they know, you know, what, how you are, how to use you and stuff like that. So, you know, coming back and knowing that I would have Ben back for a uh, warmer year and, you know, playing, you know, my last year, it was just like, yo, I'm going to take my chance. I'm going to play with Ben. Juju Smith-Schuster on why he's staying with the Steelers. He's going to play with Ben. Ben's back for one year, so Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be with him. It's a lot of doom and gloom around the Steelers, and because of the end of the season and the way it finished, I kind of get that. But they were 11-0. They were doing something right. A little bit of a mirage and a paper tiger at the end of the year, so see how much they can upgrade and see how much they can uh, fix all that. It's a, uh, it's a good division right now. Okay. Deshaun Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, acknowledged during the Friday news conference there was some mutual consensual encounters between Harden, Texans quarterback, and some of the 22 women who have filed lawsuits against him. But he also said at no point did Watson engage in any acts who were not mutually desired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think this needs to be adjudicated. I mean, I don't, that's not anything that I would do or you would do or most of our listeners would do, would do that with that many ladies but you got to get the law involved here what is against the law what isn't against the law it's not the law isn't necessarily about morals you know what i mean i do know what you mean and it, it seems like there's two tracks here one is uh hint at using the law but really be angling for a settlement or settlements, depending on how you look at it whether you did one settlement with 22 people or 22 separate settlements whatever it is uh, because this is certainly played out in a way that seems structured for maximum embarrassment. And to your point, the law, eh, not a whole lot of maximum embarrassment involved there. Two judges ruled Friday that most of the plaintiffs suing Watson must identify themselves. Uh, the rulings from two hearings Friday cover 13 of the 22 lawsuits. I have no idea why not 22 of the 22 lawsuits, or why not one of the 22, but it's 13 of the 22. Now, to your point, get the law involved and what happened and are there any witnesses? Uh, is there any other evidence? You know, it, uh, I guess the thing we found out with the uh, Patriots owner and, and his deal, you know, there's surveillance videos sometimes and what is that going to tell you? So you got to get to the bottom of all that. Or is this all going to be played out in the public court of public opinion with Watson losing sponsors and not having the trade leverage that we were talking about earlier in the offseason, because really the angle is to get a bunch of settlements. And I'm not clear which way this is going to go. Me either. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Deep side delivers. Here's a swing and a fly ball. Into right center field and deep going back as Buxton looking up and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Kyle Seager with a three-run home run. Pitch to J.D. And that is a hanging breaking ball ripped deep to right field. Does this have enough? Back on it is Santander. Gone. J.D. Martinez. A second home run today. No balls in one strike. The big right-hander ready and delivers. Swing and a ground ball to shortstop. Kim has it. Friendly hop. Throw to first. That is a no-hitter, and that is history. Joe Musgrove with the first no-hitter in Padre history. April 9th, 2021 at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. The kid comes home, and he gets it done. So highlights from Sunday's action and then the no-hitter Friday night. The Padres, 53 years without a no-hitter. They get the first one in franchise history, and they get it 
from a guy who grew up going to Padre games from suburban El Cajon, and his dad was a ticket holder, and so local boy makes good. The only team that didn't have a no-no. Multiple teams coming in the leagues, either with the Padres or since the Padres, and they all had it. Your Diamondbacks had it, PK. The Jays and the Mariners had it. The Rockies had it. Everybody. Tampa Bay. Finally, they got the no-no. We get the point. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for you. The kid comes home and goes to Texas. I didn't quite understand that one, but uh, hmm. great. Now, you got It's about what you do in the postseason. That, that's just an oddity. No hitters to an extent are an oddity. There's been plenty of guys who are no-name guys who've thrown no hitters. It's helped get the Padres off to a seven and three start. Well, after ten games, they're seven and three. They've now played their eleventh game, but it got them off to a seven and three start. Which, to your point, what are you going to do in the postseason? Only two teams have been off to better starts, and it's the two teams that ended up going to the World Series. So, people are hoping that's a sign. But there's 150 whatever games still to go. JD Martinez highlights. Do you just play that as a former Diamondback Yacht? Are you just playing that so PK can, uh, you trying to like twist a knife or something? What are you doing? Multi homer game. Come on. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, three, didn't he? <clears throat> I believe so, yeah. They won their sixth straight after that yeah. season opening sweep against yeah. the O's. Boston had the terrible start. Mm-hmm. Now they're crushing it 14 to 9 over the Orioles. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw, money. Six shutout innings. He gets the win. He's 2 and 1. Dodgers beat the Nationals. Three zip. It's about what you do in the postseason, and Kershaw has his ring. You saw the video of that, uh, holding the ring up to the crowd and all that. And uh, now can the Dodgers do it again? Now off to a nice start here, and he's doing his part. Yes, they can do it again. DJ and PK. Line this up, make it roll, and he should make it. It's okay. <laughs> right down to the wire. Who predicted that by one? Matsuyama is Japan's first Masters champion. Hideki Matsuyama opened the final round with a four-shot lead thanks to the way he just scorched the back nine on Saturday. A bunch of birdies to build that lead up. Stretched the lead to six at one point and ended up holding on a win by one. The back nine at Augusta demands drama, PK, and it got its drama through 14, 15, and 16. Oh, I don't know about that, man. I, I, that was little drama there. I'll give you that. I but think at least it was, it was Matsuyama. Okay, but it wasn't. That's I don't know that it was big-time drama because I think Matsuyama, was, he had the lead in the number of holes, so he's playing from a defensive standpoint. You look at 12, he, the announcers are talking about, oh, just hit a long in that back trap and you don't have to worry about the water and a high score. And that's exactly what he did. And then Shoffley had to be more aggressive, so he couldn't afford to do that. So it was sort of drama at best. The drama all ended when Shoffley dumped it in the water at 16. Just a yard or two short, but it, yeah. caught, it caught the face of that uh, green there, and it's all sloped to the water, and he was doomed doomed by gravity at that point. I thought the, 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 the most dramatic swing was after Matsuyama dumped it in the water. I'd actually tweeted out uh, Bob, and, and Bob Casper will join us coming up at 8.30. Bob was uh, tweeting out about the big lead, and that should pretty much do it, but it's the back nine, you never know, and I'm like, you can drop it in Race Creek and still win with that lead. But if you do it twice, and so when he was coming out of the water and he took his drop and did the two club lengths thing, they, well, if he sends it over the green back into the water, 
then he's in trouble. But man, he walked up, he looked at that the rough in front of the, well, in back of the green, but it was in front from where he was hitting. And he decided, yep, I'm just going to drop it here and I'm going to chip twice. I am not going anywhere near that water. So that was the most defensive swing to avoid the, yeah. the, the second penalty that would have really put the heat on him. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. It, and, and he won the thing, so that's all that matters. matters. Right. Yeah. Uh, you got the green jacket. Yeah. Who cares? And so he. Wo- yeah. Right. So it doesn't really matter by, you know, one is plenty, really, when you think about it. It would have added more drama. And then I think the significant thing is he becomes the first uh, Japanese player, although I believe that that was only a matter of time. Yeah, it was a matter of time. And who was it going to be? Um, and, and Jim Nance listed a bunch of guys who've come over from Japan and had success on the PGA Tour to one level or another, but now Matsuyama's had it to a level that nobody else had. He's won a major. And when you're a major champion, that sets you apart. You get one of them, and every time Mike Weir comes on the air, and he unfortunately missed the cut at the Masters this time, but every time, and we, we don't refer to whatever cuts he's missed or whatever 7th or 17th place finish, it's Masters champ Mike Weir. You get to wear the green jacket that afternoon, and you get to wear that title forever. Now, I wonder next year, will they have Japanese food for the dinner? Oh, he'll get to uh, pick the menu. We'll find out what his favorite favorite foods are. As a, as a golfer, I assume he's traveled the world. I know he's won on the tour in Japan and in the U.S. I Probably he's played in Europe and all that stuff, or Australia or wherever. Who knows what it will be, PK? We'll find out in a year. Tony Finau finished tied for 10th place at 3-under. Not really a factor. Had a few uh, cool shots, but uh, a lot of the field got eliminated Saturday afternoon when uh, Matsuyama started making birdies on the back nine. He, he pulled away and didn't leave many guys much hope. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio at 8.30 to recap the Masters. And the question of the day coming up next, it's all about Donovan Mitchell as he slowly regains the form that, dare I say it? Oh, I will. Next, DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.